Hey, welcome to the Brad Show. Today we have Andreas Amaripa. Hello. And for some reason, it's still got. Okay, there we go. So, uh, so a couple topics for today. How do you how do you feel about abortion? Um, I'm a pro-choice person. I think it's up to the woman to decide what she wants to do with her body and what's going on within her body. Okay. Well, what about someone that says that it's still a living being and that it's no longer her body that's inside of her? Well, I mean, the bo- it, it is no longer a body that she has control of, I guess you could say. But at the same time, it's still part of her body, even though that body is another life, another being, another set of DNA. It's still inside her body, and it makes it a part of her body. I like your opinion on this. All right. So uh, what about, well, so the thing I've been seeing here lately is this topic of Chris Watts. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. I've watched a a YouTube documentary on them. Uh, what was the YouTube documentary about? Um, it was really just about explaining what happened, how Chris Watts uh, was alerted that his wife was missing through her best friend saying that she hadn't heard from her, that it's unusual for her to go anywhere without the kids' car seats, that you know she basically knew her entire routine because they were the best of friends. And with her not answering her phone calls or anything, it was very unusual for that to happen and that kind of activity. So... Chris Watts um, pretended to play it off as if something happened to them, something happened to the wife and the kids, and he didn't know what was going on, and in return looked at the neighbor and asked for him for help because he has cameras outside of his house aiming towards their house, and it didn't show anything besides Chris Watts putting stuff inside his truck, and it just... All seemed sketchy, and nothing. Nobody could connect anything, and it did. It's been a while since I've watched it, but it went into further detail about the process of what happened when the police got involved, when they did an investigation in the house, when they looked for signs or anything about an intruder or if it was an actual kidnapping or anything else. And there were no signs of that, and uh, it was just. A weird thing to be happening if Chris Watts didn't know what happened either and there was no sign of an intruder or anything. And later on it came out to play that Chris Watts actually did murder his wife, unborn baby, and the two little girls. Okay. Uh, Have you seen anything on the topic that he may have actually not... uh, I don't know. I seen something earlier. I didn't read into it much. I was busy. But there was something about that Chris Watts had a girlfriend of some sort that yes. may have pressured him into murdering his wife or she may have actually murdered his wife and he didn't do it. But then yeah. she might have pressured him into killing the children. I don't know exactly. From the documentary that I watched, it showed that he did have a girl 
a girlfriend or mistress, whatever you want to call her, and that he wanted to actually move away from his family and get away from them and start a new life with her and just didn't want to be with, I think they named her name was Shanann or Shanann, something like that. But um, he wanted, he didn't want to be with her anymore. And within their two, I think it was saying that either there were their text messages or it was just like word of mouth that the only way for him to get rid of his past life is if nobody was in the picture anymore. And in that documentary, it didn't say, you know, that she pressured him into anything or, and he didn't confess into anything yet, but um, it did say that, you know, he was the person that, that did it. And eventually later on through the trial, he, he did say that he could um, still hear his little girls screaming and saying, daddy, no, and fighting back. Um, recently I saw his interview within the jail and he actually confessed to it and it confessed to what happened, what led up to it and how he felt during everything. And it basically was just like, she got dropped off by her best friend and he was in bed and he just didn't want to do it anymore. And it's like something just snapped in him and he strangled the mom and drug the body out while the little girl saw it. And then later on went for the girls. And as he was taking them all to the oil field site where the tanks were, he didn't have any thought process, didn't care, didn't have any emotions, nothing. It was just a long drive and they were in the back like nothing. And he dug a shallow grave for Shanann and put her body in there and covered her up. And then went after the girls with no remorse, no nothing. And he even recalls how it was to put the little girls down the well, how one of them was fairly easy and the other one was hard and he had to shove her in there. And he had no remorse, no emotion, wasn't sad, didn't care. And it's like nothing truly hit him in this moment that he was in until it was too late. But I don't think that it, he actually cares about it. I think he's just sad that he got caught because he wasn't able to do what he wanted. Because in the interview, when he confesses to everything, he says about how he got rid of everything he ever loved. And that's all he ever wanted was just to be a loving husband and a loving father and have a family. And that that's all he ever wanted was to be a good father to those girls. And But how can you say that and still do what you did? It's one of those things to me that you're not sorry it happened. You're not sorry that you killed your own children and your wife. You're just sorry you got caught and couldn't move on with your mistress. Okay, so so my question is, do you believe in the death penalty? Um, I do. I've taken a couple courses on it. Um, I don't think, you know, it's actually an effective penalty, but seeing as how we're in a world where you can't have un you can't have cruel and unusual punishment that's the closest we can get to it but i mean there are instances where inmates still get beat up in prison and raped and killed in prison and jails but this is the legal amount of extreme punishment we can give them well my my question, because of that, 
is okay. So Chris Watts said that he felt bad or he had to live with the fact that he could hear his children scream as he murdered them, you know, and he's going to live with that over and over and over. And now that he's been sentenced to five, I think it was five life sentences with no chance of parole. And he was transferred. I'm pretty sure it was 2018. He was transferred from the state of Colorado to the state of Illinois where, and I'm not exactly sure what the reason behind that was. Uh, I don't know if it was because that's where it happened at or that's where his family was or her family or whatever the situation so, or so that he would be punished more. All I know is that, <clears throat> excuse me, he's, he's being transferred and now he's staying in prison. So my question really is, you know, you said something about cruel and unusual punishment. So, you know, they they uh, they talk about like waterboarding and different kinds of tortures, cruel and unusual punishment. But my thing is, is if the death penalty, you know, because some people don't believe in the death penalty, that that's not right. You shouldn't kill someone. But in a situation like this, if the crime that they've committed has been worse, worse than taking their life, wouldn't it be an adequate punishment? Um, I personally believe that it really isn't an adequate punishment just to, you know, take their life. Because honestly, with my beliefs, it's like they're you're taking their life and you're ending the life here on Earth for them to go on. So it's like, you know, yeah, there may be a hell, there may be purgatory, there may be heaven. But who's to say that, you know, his spirit doesn't live on and continues just to live in peace? You know, when they're dead, maybe he will no longer hear his children. Or maybe when he does die, he might end up being with his children in some weird way. You know, honestly, like that, in some people's opinions and beliefs, that wouldn't happen because what he did was wrong and horrible and, you know, not in not a godly action. So maybe he would be in hell and tortured in hell. But that's an unknown that we can't, we don't have proof of. So to me, it's like just killing him is putting it into his life and putting it into his misery here on earth. Because I'm sure where he's at, there are people that constantly remind him of what he did. He has to hear his daughter over and over again. He has to replay those images every time he closes his eyes. Yeah, that's also not an adequate punishment because, you know, there's no real, there's really no adequate punishment for taking another's life, yet alone your own daughter and your wife and your unborn child. But at the same time, to me, just killing them is like allowing them to have peace. Well, I, see, I see it differently. And that's, you know, that's the reason that we try to, here at the Bradshaw, we try to allow everyone to voice their opinions and we try to understand everyone's thing. And I get that, that it's given them peace. But the reason that I have a problem with it is because I see it as, as it's not just a punishment for that person, but it's a punishment for the working class Americans that have to pay taxes that go through into the penal system. So a portion of the taxes that's taken away has to fund the penal system. 
So, you know, I did the, I did the math and I, I researched the statistics here and it's approximately, I didn't do it by state. I did it as a national census and it approximately takes a dollar 20 to $3 for the food to feed an inmate a day, plus the service of the cooks and the service people and, you know, anyone that has anything to do with preparing it, serving it, uh, cleaning up, any of that situation, it's anywhere from 5 to $8 on average. So over the course, and I, I'm not exactly sure of his age, but uh, we're going to estimate that he looked like he was in his 40s. So he's pulling five life sentences, which means he can never get out. That's life in prison. He's on lockdown 23 hours out of the day. So which means more than likely they have him in protective custody in a cell by himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he gets out to take a shower or something of that nature. I'm not sure. But the thing is, is taxpayers are still paying for that. So over the course of 40 years, let's say he lives to be 80 and no one kills him in prison because, I mean, it'll be really hard for him to make it 40 years personally if I see it because people in prison do more punishment to the inmates as far as uh, like child molesters and things like that. They get beaten worse in prison than they actually do getting punished, you know. So the thing is, is it's, I think it was, I think it was a hundred thousand dollars over the course of 40 years. I think that was numbers. I don't know. I figured this out this morning, but uh, in 2019, there was 200,000 people nationally that was incarcerated with a life sentence, whether they had a chance of parole or not. I'm not sure. But all I know is that they were pulling life sentences. And I did the math on this over the course of, you know, an average of 40 years, just 40 years, because that's not including the ones that's been teenagers and murdered people or, you know, triple homicides or car wrecks and, you know, whatever accidents. But so I did it over 40 years and it was over $14 billion in taxpayer money to just it I didn't do medical care, I didn't do housing, you know, I didn't do any of these other things figured into this. All I did was uh food, just how much it cost to feed them. And it was over 14 billion dollars over 40 years. It's 365 million dollars a year to feed these people. And you know, I understand that they're incarcerated, they've done bad things. But that's not the biggest issue I have here. I'm, I'm getting into another topic with this because the thing that bothers me is that, I, you know, I've lived in different places. I've been, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, Louisiana, Texas now. I've been to Colorado, several places. I've been a lot of places across the United States. And almost every state that I've been, there's been homeless people. Uh, when I was in Dallas, there was homeless people on almost every corner. There was people that uh, I was walking the streets just looking at the buildings and the cops would be running these people off. They were just trying to stay in parks or whatever else. And the cops would run them off because it's almost like a nuisance. And, you know, that's it's really depressing because I would almost guarantee that most of these people have never 
never done anything to anyone to deserve this. It's just they've been forgotten about. A lot of these people are veterans. They come back. Their families have passed away. They don't have children or they don't have anyone to help them. So then they're they're struggling to get by. They're trying to do what they can, but they don't have a vehicle. They don't have a place to live. They don't have an address to put down. You know, some of these people come back and, you know, or some of these homeless people don't have IDs. So, you know, it's a mess. But that's the whole thing is that's what bothers me is that there's homeless veterans and homeless people on the streets. And then you have people that have murdered their pregnant wife, their two young daughters, put them in an oil battery with no remorse or consideration for life. And you're feeding them three meals a day. Right. So I just, it's hard for me to understand the, the system. And, you know, and I, I mean, I, I understand your opinion, but it's just hard for me to try to agree with it for the simple fact that there's homeless people that could use that money. And I'm not saying it's a waste of life to kill that person, but it would be hard for me to say, Let's keep him alive in prison and pay taxes on this person that's murdered his whole entire family. Because, yeah, if he's if he's uh, asked for uh, forgiveness or whatever his religious beliefs are, you know, he's asked a greater power to forgive him of his sins and whatnot. That that has nothing to do with the situation of the penal system, taxes going to work religion has no place in the workplace i know everyone has religious freedom but that's the thing is you know you go to work and that and that's the thing is these people have to get paid they have to do these things and working in the penal system your taxes are going to come out and then your taxes is going to do the same thing to feed these people correct so that's that's just my opinion on it. I, me personally, I'm in a sense I can see how two different ways. I'm for the death penalty, and then and on the other hand, I'm not because there has people that has been incarcerated when it wasn't their fault. Because there's been times where people have been set up, uh, drugs and guns have been planted on people. Uh, you know, that's like a lot of people, rape is really bad. Rape is one of the top things that, you know, that's one of the worst things you can do, you know, uh, being a pedophile, a rapist, a murderer, and a thief, you know, that's basically the four top things you got. And so that's the whole deal is if somebody has been falsely accused of rape and then, you know, or let's say, let's put it into this perspective. So there's a serial rapist who has raped 30 people and somehow plays it off that it's someone else and they get caught and they sentence this guy to the death penalty. So, you know, everyone's already pissed off that there's a serial rapist and then they find a guy that they, they've, you know, planted the evidence on and it looks like he's done it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing is that would be in the condition that I would be against the death penalty because if you don't have all the facts and there's that many victims, you have to have, cause see, that's, isn't, 
you took classes on this. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty positive that it was you're innocent until proven guilty. Correct. With and and I, that's not it. I thought it was what was it? Without a reasonable doubt. Well, it depends on the type of crime that's there or what you're looking at. With a certain there's different types of charges and crimes and I can't remember exactly without looking at my notes but in a, it's I think it's civilized and criminal matters and criminal it's is it's innocent until proven guilty and it's beyond a reasonable doubt or I think I think that's how it is and the other one is the burden of proof and it's like I can't remember, but yeah, what you're saying is, yeah, but the thing is, is that there is, it's to the point to now it's where, you know, you're supposed to be with everything's supposed to be there and all the evidence is supposed to be lined up. And if there is a small sense of doubt, you're supposed to say it and you're supposed to, you know, say your your cast your vote but here's another thing that we don't usually take into consideration that during these trials and during these crimes and during all of these series of events there's a panel there that has to take care of this vote because it's not just up to the judge you have your jury as well because you have the right to a jury you have the right to a trial by jury and that's the thing, is that that jury has to be there in that courtroom until the decision has been made. And if you're like everybody else, you can be, you know, a successful businessman, a successful business owner, a regular mom, a housewife, you know, plain Jane college student, or a college student that pulls, you know, three jobs. And you just randomly selected into a jury. That's the thing. Is that all of those people are in that room until it's solved. And when everybody has come to the conclusion that the evidence points there. And you're the one person that doubts it. You kind of get pressured into it. And that's the thing we as you know, the normal people, the normal citizens of the United States don't see because you don't look into it like we do in my classes. You don't look into the fact that those people don't leave that room until a decision is made. And, you know, there are people that where it's hung and there's people that are like, okay, yeah, he did it or no, he didn't do it. I don't see how all of y'all are connecting the dots so fast, so quickly, so just here, here, and there. I'm not seeing the details you're seeing. You're not seeing the details I'm seeing. You're missing things. And then they have to all start over and figure out their votes again. So it's like, not only is there peer pressure in the world to do other stuff, but there's peer pressure in, the, in that room to where you're deciding a person's life, you're deciding a person's sentence, and there are people that pressure you like, hey, well, you know, out of the rest of us, y'all are the only three that don't see it our way. 
And why is that? And eventually it just becomes stir crazy in there because everybody's trying to leave. Everybody's trying to go home. Everybody's trying to get back to their normal daily lives. While there are people that are like, well, I have nothing else to do today. So I'm going to take this seriously. There are some people that don't because like I said, it's just randomly selected. Not only are you randomly selected to go to jury duty, but you're randomly selected by the judge as well. So it's not like, oh, this person has a degree in criminology. This person has a degree in psychology so they can understand what's going on here. It's just this number here, this number there, this jury number there. And that's who decides the fate of these people. So that's where everything becomes a blur, you know, where it's like, well, I'm innocent until proven guilty. Like, yeah, you are. You're supposed to be. But when evidence comes up and the <clears throat> the lawyers and the district attorneys are there feeding the, ju- the jurors what they want to hear, and saying, you know, oh, well, it's a clean cut case. That's everything the juries, the jurors want to hear because they want to get in and out of there just like everybody else. When, you know, that one person is the one whose life they're talking about. They're like, whoa, 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 you're not, what, you, what about all of this you're missing? When the jurors are being fed what they want to hear, of course, they're going to see it their way. So that's how it's where everything just gets so blurred and so messed up where, yeah, when you read the textbook definition, it's like clean and cut. I'm not supposed to be here because I'm not guilty and you don't have proof against me. All of that is fake. But yet the jurors are being fake. Well, let, well, let me ask you this. So, well, how do you feel on the topic of this? So if... If a woman or a man, either one, has been accused of rape, and then it turns out that they lied and made a false accusation of rape, should they be punished for this? Yes, because not only did they slander the person that they accused, they wasted the juror's time, the judge's time, the attorney's time. They wasted money. They wasted tax money, taxpayers' money, all because for for whatever reason they wanted to make that claim for. Okay. Uh, What other topic was there? Okay, well, how do you feel about the legalization of marijuana? That's what I was going to get to next. Uh, I'm going to tiptoe into politics here. I know you're not a big political person, but that was something that was supposed to be on the ballot. It was, you know, they were supposed to be weighing out federal legalization of marijuana, and then they pulled it, but there's been several other states that's been pushing forward it. Because, uh, you know, I'm a very large marijuana advocate. I'm also uh, 
very, very, very large psychedelic advocate. So these are, and it's not, and as far as that goes, I mean more along the lines of natural psychedelics such as mushrooms, ayahuasca, uh, you know, uh, acid. I'm still, still for it. I mean, it's not really as natural as anything else, but it still has its properties. Mm-hmm. But so how, how do you feel on the term of, you know, marijuana legalization? Well, um, in my standpoint, I'm, it's more like to each his own, but at the same time, you know, I'm still iffy on it. I've never really been fully made a decision because yes, there are the views that it's a drug, but at the same time, you know, in my standpoint, alcohol is a drug, painkillers are drugs. So it's like, you use whatever you want to use to medicate yourself. Why is alcohol, why is alcohol legal when it kills more people? And the thing is, is that, yes, marijuana is, can be seen as mind-altering. And it can be seen as a drug. But at the same time, it's a plant just like tobacco. Yeah, but I mean, also in in this point, too, I hate to, you know, cut in. But as far as you said, mind altering, I don't know if you've ever smoked cigarettes. But if you take a Marlboro Red and smoke it pretty quickly, almost, I wouldn't say hot box. But if you smoke a cigarette and you've never smoked a cigarette, you get a sense of euphoria. And I mean, that's technically mind altering. It's it's a pretty potent buzz. It doesn't last very long, but it still does. And I mean, that's like they've been selling Stacker 2 caffeine pills in stores for, fuck, it's been at least 20 years that I know of. Correct. And see, that's the thing where some people get out, you know, that, you know, they could say that. People only know that kind of fact because they're trying to find that high again. And that's where I don't understand those people's minds because, you know, you could do anything too much, too fast, and it'd be mind-altering. Even if it's legal. Even if it's a painkiller that your doctor prescribed to you. Even if it's a wine cooler or you know, a Coke or something. If you drink those too fast, too much too fast, you know, you could also get caffeine rush. And people can say that's also mind-altering. So it's very contradicting, and it's also a thing that nobody really knows the truth about. Nobody really wants to look into it because it's too touchy. It's too delicate of a subject. Because, once again, it is illegal, and it's deemed a drug however but see the thing that i get at is that i feel like the reason that they don't want to legalize i mean you have several places you have washington dc that has recreational you have colorado i think arizona's about to do recreational arkansas has uh medicinal oregon uh 
Washington State and California all have recreational marijuana use. And uh, they, they tax it there. Uh, in the state of Colorado, they fixed a lot of roads with the, the revenue from the taxes of marijuana. And, I mean, uh, the opioid crisis went down there. Uh, drunk drivers went down there because the, that's that's a big issue for me is, you know, being a recovering alcoholic is that uh, every time I've ever smoked marijuana or consumed it several different ways, I've been either too paranoid or too stoned to really want to get in a car and go somewhere. Whereas being intoxicated, you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And, and, but the real point that I'm trying to make is that with, with alcohol, it not only harms you, it harms other people, it kills your liver, but you know, and I'm not saying that they haven't done enough tests with cannabis now to say that it doesn't have uh, bad effects. And a lot of people smoke it and inhaling any kind of material that's on fire is carbon monoxide and it's not good for your lungs, period. You know, don't condone drug use. But here's the deal. The reason that I feel like that they don't legalize marijuana federally is because you have so many people in that is incarcerated right now for nonviolent drug charges. Uh, I think it was shit. Was it? Yeah, it was Colorado. It was uh, Colorado just pardoned anyone that had been incarcerated for nonviolent marijuana possession charges. I think it was under a certain amount. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to go back and look that up, but I seen that. And that's the thing is because if you get all these people out, and you're now, because that's the whole deal is, let's just, if it was you and you've been incarcerated, you know, you were just doing your thing. You weren't hurting anybody. This was your medicine. This is what you used to make it through your day. Uh, you know, let's say you got caught with two bottles of Tylenol and they, you know, they said you couldn't have your Tylenol, but you take that for headaches. You have horrible headaches. You don't know what else to do. I mean, they got a bunch of other drugs, but this is the one you take. So you get caught with your two bottles of Tylenol and they lock you up for seven to 10 years. So now you're a felon. You don't have any gun rights. Uh, you have a drug charge, so you can never get food stamps. You can never get any kind of governmental assistance. Okay. You don't more than likely, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the voting rights work, but more likely you don't have those. So you don't have voting rights. You don't have gun rights. You can't get any kind of governmental assistance. So you get out and it's hard to do things. I mean, if you get a job, it's you're a felon, so you can't get a high paying job most time. You can get into construction, but I feel like they don't want to legalize it because these people are going to feel like they've been owed something because I would. If I'd been locked up for 10 years, get out and you say, well, you're not a felon anymore. But that's 10 years that you've been locked up wrongfully now. Right. You you make a valid point because, I mean, so, if they were to legalize it on the national level, that is a lot of people and a lot of charges that they'd have to reconsider. And at the same time, you know, you have to realize that they would there would be possible there would be um, possible uh, lawsuits against them. I mean, there would be ways to get around them, yes. 
But at the same time, people would want compensation for that. Because, yes, they lost time in their lives. They lost money that could have been going into their lives. They lost valuable memories that they could be doing. They lost experiences and so forth. And the fact that, you know, the world is a one way when you get in and is another when you come out. So you have to re-adapt and re-rehabilitate yourself to the world that's around you. So, yeah, that is a big issue that, you know, some people don't understand how to take care of. And in a way, it looks scarier than what it could be. And it's, in a sense, more, could bring more negative remarks and negative actions than it would be positive. So, you know, you're right. But at the same time, you know, there's no way to fix it. There's no way to move forward with it. Because we have this. Do you do you know do you know who has the patent on cannabis? No, I don't. The United States government. <laughs> uh, and see, that's the thing is that a big argument that people have is that cannabis cures cancer. Uh, I like to tell this story. Uh, I was, I'd say this was about. Six years ago or so, I was. It was snowing, or there was snow on the ground. It wasn't snowing. It they had just bladed the roads. This was in Virginia, and uh, I know some people don't believe in angels or whatever, but I was driving across a mountain, this little mountainous road, and then it goes down and comes into a town. And there's this little elderly lady. She looked like she was in her sixties or seventies. And she's walking. I mean, she's she's walking down this mountain like there's no houses. It's to the point that there's no more houses for at least a good two miles down this road. And uh, I stopped and backed up. And I was like, hey, because, I mean, she's just wearing like a regular jacket. And I mean, she's a little old lady and she's walking down this mountain holding her purse. And I stopped and I was like, hey, do you need a ride? I was like, because it's it's cold out. I mean, there's still snow on the ground like the sides of the roads and everything's white. So she gets in the car and, you know, I, I like to talk to everyone, you know, that's why I started this whole deal. I started talking to her and, you know, I, this is a point where I was starting to talk to people and felt more comfortable about talking about marijuana and, you know, cannabis awareness and, you know, whatever. Well, then I started talking to her about it and this, that, and the other. And then she tells me that she had cancer and while she had cancer, uh, that they give her a pill. Uh, it was a cannabis pill. I don't know if it was THC derived. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it was because it helped with her appetite through her chemotherapy. Because a lot of times when you have cancer, the chemotherapy, not only does it make you lose your hair, but it, it also makes you sick to your stomach to the point that you can't right. hardly eat. So they give her this pill but see, that's the thing is there's other people. This this uh, cannabis helps children with epilepsy. It helps PTSD. Uh, there's treatments for hepatitis C that causes more problems, that causes some problems. And sometimes cannabis helps with that. I mean, there's so many effective uses of it. That's like hemp. It's It's almost like cannabis's cousin, more or less. I mean, it's almost the same plant but it's just it doesn't have the psychoactive chemical right. thc in it and 
that's where you get CBD from. I mean, uh, cannabis still has THC and CBD both, but hemp has a very low THC content. Uh, and that's what I use for my carpal tunnel when I had nerve pain because, you know, I have liver deals and whatever else and I can't take Tylenol and ibuprofen and all that extra pain pill shit. So that's what I use with CBD. And there's so many uses for that. I mean, they make hempcrete. Uh, you can pretty much anything that you can make with any other material that they make rope out of or any kind of building material is that you can use it for hemp. It's so easy to grow one acre of hemp. I really don't want to misquote this, but I'm going to anyway. Fuck it. So one acre of hemp is like, it's approximately equal to about 60 to 100 acres of trees producing oxygen. So for me, it's hard to understand why the government doesn't allow people to do these things. Okay. This country was supposed to be built on freedom. Uh, I don't know, it was a 5%, 5-10% increase on a tea, on a fucking breakfast beverage. And we left a country to come here and fuck this one up. But what I'm saying is, I, I just don't understand how you say it's the land of the free if you don't even allow people to make right. their own decisions. Or medicate myself in a way that that I see fit. Because when I go to a doctor, they charge me $3,500 for a visit and tell me they don't know what's wrong with me. I That's that's an issue that I have with going to a doctor. Uh, my great, one, two, three, great, great, great grandfather was an herb doctor. And he used to, there was things that they would do if you had migraines to where... He would take like a razor blade and like make a thin cut on your temple. And uh, I can't believe, I can't remember if it was his appendix or one or the other. He took his out. He took his own appendix Mm -hmm. out himself. And see, that's, I've talked with my grandfather about this. If you've done any of the things that my great, great grandfather had done today, they right, would lock they would you the fuck up. Or something. Yeah, that's the whole thing is because I took my appendix out myself. You're a fucking right. lunatic. You know, and that's the difference now is because everything you have to have someone do something for you. Because that's like, uh, you know, I have, we have that farm in Virginia. And that's the thing is if you have a cow die, you're supposed to pay $500 for a veterinarian to come out and say, well, well, that cow's dead. Now you can bury it. Like, see, that's the thing is you got to pay somebody for anything. And there's, and taxes don't even get me started (laughs) on taxes. I could do that all day. That's you get paid your paycheck. They take taxes for the, God bless Texas. There's not state tax here. That's the greatest part of this whole state for me. That or the flag. I don't know. Both are pretty wonderful. But, well, is there anything that you would like to discuss? Any topics that you have on your mind? I've spoke my part on the Chris Watts thing. That was something that's been uh, on there lately. 
I know you're not real political, so there's no reason to get you talking mm-hmm. about the debates unless you're really interested in that whole deal with the little fly landing on Trump or no, it's pants. No, I'm good. That would totally be a whole you thing. Um, yeah, I didn't figure out the whole internet's over that. I could really <laughs> give a shit less on that one. Uh, well, me. let's try me asking you a question for once. Um, what are your opinions on uh, destiny? This is different. Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. I don't believe that. Uh, two different ways here. I feel like you make your own choices. So imagine being on an island you've never been to. But where you're supposed to be on the island is on the other side. I feel like depending how long it takes you to get there is is what path you, you choose. And I feel like a lot of people fuck up and take the same path over and over. Because it's easier to do the same things being miserable than it is to do something new because you're afraid that you might fail at it. Because you're afraid. Because failure is something that scares people. And you're afraid of failing. I mean, what exactly is your question here? Do I believe everything happens for a reason? Well, I suppose. I mean, you know, do you believe everything happens for a reason? I don't know. Sometimes I believe like some things are supposed to happen regardless. It's just sometimes they can happen faster. Like I said before, depending on which choices you've taken to get there. Like if it was in your destiny to get a new car, but you fucked up a whole bunch of times, it's going to take you longer to get to that point. Or you may never even get to that point because you fucked up so bad at this point. But now there has been times and I know I don't get very religious because everyone has their different decisions. And, you know, I just I don't like stepping on everybody's toes all the time so the whole deal is with that there's been several things that i have been through that there is just absolutely no way that that this outcome can possibly happen without a higher power protecting me through that situation yeah I mean, it's too many times. A lot of it I can't speak of because I plead the fifth and that's, that's that. But the whole deal is I don't feel like it's like a book. Like no matter what you do, the outcome is going to be the same at the end. I don't feel like that. I feel like you can change it. And that's the thing is you can make it whatever you want it to be. But if you don't work hard enough at it, it'll never be. Basically, if you don't take it's like riding a horse. 
if you don't take a hold of the reins and tell that horse where to go, you're it's just going to keep riding. You're going to end up in some right. fucked up place. So that's that's the way I look at it is, you know, you eventually have to learn because I've I've been a drug addict and an alcoholic and I've made some very horrible decisions throughout my life. But that's the thing is you have to learn from those mistakes. You know, you have to learn from those mistakes and try to make better decisions that not only influence your life, but others around you so that, you know, it's more or less like gassing up your friends. So this is the whole deal is that if you're doing good and you're doing way better than you thought you could, but your friends are in a rough spot. That's when you help them come. Exactly. Come up too. Was that all your questions? Um, I suppose so. Do you believe Um, in destiny? Yes. Yes and no. Because I believe that not everybody has just one set path. Because you can be born to do something we don't know. You know, everybody believes in a higher power and that there's something out there that's protecting us, guiding us, hurting us, you know, pulling us away. And and there's people that are like, well, I'm just here just to be here. You know, maybe that's your purpose. You're just here as a filler, just like we use fillers for anything else. Fillers in our sentences fillers in our foods you know and it's a thing where people are like I know I'm here for a purpose I know I'm here supposed to do something I believe that you know maybe you are here for to do something but you just don't ever know exactly what and you know you say that there's you know a here and a there possibly and you know how you reference to getting to the other side of the island and there's a longer path or a path you choose over and mm-hmm. over because it's a known path. You know, I see it as anytime you come to a crossroad in your life or anytime you make any simple decision, you're changing what was made for you. You're creating your own path. You're rewriting what's going on. Because, you know, maybe there is a higher power that's there that's saying, you know, you're not supposed to wake up today like you wanted to. You're not supposed to wake up and go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning like you wanted to. Maybe there's people that believe, you know, I'm I'm late for a reason. Well, now I understand because now I've seen that firsthand, and uh, you also have too. When mm-hmm. the shooter was in Odessa, a mile from a mile away from where we were living and we were going to go out. And then you had that feeling not to go out. I remember that day. And we stayed home. And then 30 minutes later, they were shooting in Odessa. Very clearly. I was supposed to get a pedicure and get my nails done. And you're like, well, why aren't you getting dressed? Why aren't you leaving? I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to anymore. I just feel like I could put it off another day. And within minutes, all of my family members were texting me, asking if I'm okay, wanting updates on me, wanting to see where I was. And I've seen that 
in my life purpose in my life personally plenty of times where I plan to leave on a certain day or I plan to leave on a certain hour and things just don't go right and it was for a reason sometimes I don't know that reason and sometimes I'm aw- I'm made aware of it later on like oh well, there was a car accident on my route or there was a big storm on my route and it made everybody turn around and you know sometimes I purposely make myself late or purposely make things go wrong but there are times where I feel like you know maybe it was an accident Or maybe I was just meant to do that. But going back to the destiny thing here. It's like. You could be put on one path. But I also feel like people have. Many plans for themselves. Or many plans. Paths or plans. Laid out before them. And whatever you choose to do. Wherever you choose to go. Drives you that way. It's like. You know. Maybe we all do have our, a destiny or a plan or a goal or a reason to be here. But any decision you make and any hard path you choose or a crossroads you come to turns you to a different way to lead you to where there's a different outcome. So what what it seems like to me is what this sounds like to me is almost like you're saying life is like an RPG, like a role playing game where we're on the main quest. But to finish the main quest, we have to take side quests to learn skills and attributes that make us a stronger character. I guess you to get through the battles. Right. That come I guess with you life. could say that. But I mean, what I'm saying is, you know. There are people there that are supposed to be fillers, like I said earlier, and feel like they don't have anything, but could eventually meet somebody or see something and become the next Mandela because of one thing that they saw. And the, the choices they decide to do after that fact is what just turns everything around. That's what I'm getting at. Or at least trying to. Well, I, I really enjoy your opinion. And you've, you've really got some good insights on things. And I hope that you can be a reoccurring guest on the show. Because you've you've been really, really fun to talk with this past hour. It's been good. You've made some very well points, and I hope that not only me, but other people can look at things the way that you do, and maybe you can influence someone's right, opinion. Hopefully, one day, maybe. You know, you never know who you might come across or who might just stumble across our recording for today, and it might just be the thing they needed to hear. So. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to hop off here. Got a few more things to get done this afternoon. So 
I'll let you be on your way. Bye-bye. Ta-ta for now.